0: Hi, I'm Heather Mulder. And I'm Janice Scrino and you're listening to Dementia Untangled, where we explore the topic of dementia through conversations with physicians, experts,
1: and community leaders. Our discussions focus on innovative ideas, practical strategies, and proven methods to guide caregivers along a supportive path. Hello
0: and welcome to Dementia Untangled. Thank you for joining us for this episode of
1: our podcast. Our conversation will be with Susan Frick, a social worker with Rush Alzheimer's Disease Center, and we're going to be discussing loneliness and dementia. Janice, there are studies coming out indicating that loneliness and social isolation can actually increase someone's risk of developing dementia. However, today's conversation, we're going to be focusing more on the experience of loneliness while living with the disease. In previous episodes of Dementia Untangled, we have had conversations with amazing individuals living with dementia, Arthena Kasten, Jay Reinstein, Roger Marple, Dr. Gary Schmidt. In every one of those conversations, either explicitly or implicitly, They discussed loneliness. Arthena, in particular, comes to mind, reflecting on this. I remember we asked her, what is a piece of advice that you would give to the community? What's something you want them to know? And she became very impassioned and said, just call me. Just reach out and call me. I am still here. Not only does the person with the disease experience these feelings of loneliness, but The experience of the care partner can be fraught with these feelings as well. As their person changes, the dynamics in their relationship continue to evolve, often moving from a partnership or one of a support system to one of providing care, providing support. And then you couple with that what we often hear, their external support system kind of starting to fall away. They're not knowing how to connect anymore. The picture that we're painting really is loneliness and dementia are intimately intertwined. The topic that we're talking
0: about today, Heather, loneliness and dementia is such a vital topic. And I remember when we talked to Jay and Arthena and Roger and Gary and and that moment when Arthena said, just Call me. And it reminds me of Susan's uh, TEDx talk, Loneliness, Alzheimer's Disease, and the Need for a National Conversation. I'm so glad we're going to be talking about this today. And in that presentation, one of the things I loved was the artwork that she shared. It was so powerful. And one of them was especially hopeful to me. And The gentleman had said about the piece of art, he had hope because we were all in this together. And she mentioned the dementia friendly movement and how people in the community can make a difference for those who are living with dementia and their caregivers and care partners by being a dementia friend. But I'm also looking forward to ways that people who are living with dementia and their caregivers can be empowered to find those social circles as they're feeling that loneliness. This is gonna
1: be a great conversation today. Welcome, Susan. Thank you so much
2: for joining our conversation. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Before we get started and talk about loneliness, I wanna learn a little bit more about you. Can you tell us about your journey and what led you to connect with the dementia community?
2: I'm a social worker. And when I first graduated from school, I was trying to think where I wanted to work. And I had had some experience working in volunteering in skilled nursing care back in probably the 1970s. And also had two grand, both my grandmothers had dementia. And so I kind of stumbled into working. I'd like to say I was someone I wish I could say I was someone who purposely sought out working with people with Alzheimer's disease, but I really didn't. I kind of stumbled into residential care. And at that time, Alzheimer's units were kind of just starting. And so I became an a Alzheimer's unit director. And worked in long-term care and and then assisted living was starting and worked in that area too. And now for 25 years have been at the Rush Alzheimer's Disease Center, which is one of the federally funded Alzheimer's centers. And I, what I love about my job here is I get to kind of work in different aspects of the Alzheimer's Center. So I I help recruit for some of our longitudinal studies. I work with families that are coming through our clinic. I help with the Dementia Friendly and Dementia Friends efforts in Illinois. And then I also, for 18 years, have helped facilitate a support group for people living with young onset Alzheimer's disease.
1: Susan, through these conversations on Dementia entangled, I think it's relatively common to hear how people sort of just stumbled into this career path and, and adopted it and then it becomes their passion. We came across you through what Janice mentioned. You did a TEDx talk on loneliness and dementia. And in that talk, you shared a story about a gentleman named
2: Ted. Could you tell us about Ted? Ted was a gentleman who was in our support group, which was called or still is called Without Warning. And he was early on when we started the group. And he, we've had several people who have been very visual in the way that they would talk and describe their situation. And Ted was definitely one of those individuals. And we, at the same time that Ted was there and some others, we had a person who was doing Uh, residency here for chaplains and was an artist and also a chaplain. And so Shauna, Shauna Bowman, Reverend Shauna Bowman, would paint pictures based on our conversations. And so we ended up with these amazing pieces of art that were based on comments people said in the group. And so Ted would describe having Alzheimer's disease. And he would say that to him, Alzheimer's disease felt like he had fallen into this pit. And he could see everyone outside of the pit, but he just couldn't figure out how to get back to them. And he talked about being down in this hole. He also, at other times, described Alzheimer's as like walking on Swiss cheese, that he would be walking along fine and doing okay, and then he would fall into this hole. It was interesting. He used hole several times, but he he then talked about that it would take so much effort to get back up out of the hole. And then he would be walking along and fall into another one. And I I just thought it was so interesting. And his, his images, people related to them and said they also agreed that they felt that same way. And so Shauna took that image of a person down in a hole and then wrote words that people expressed during the same support group meeting. And so there, there's picture or words on the painting of saying like loneliness, disconnected, confused, feeling just so alone. And it's been just a powerful image that we've used over and over. And I used it as a way to really start the, that TEDx presentation and, and the conversation on, on loneliness.
0: Well, it was a great way to start, um, Ted's story combined with Shauna's artwork images uh, truly did provide this powerful picture. And I think of the word loneliness uh, written on the artwork. And before we really dive deep into our conversation today, can you just define loneliness?
2: What I've seen in the group is the difference between loneliness and feeling alone. And I think what I've heard from the group or from people with dementia and family members too, express their own sense of loneliness, but people with dementia often talking about feeling excluded, feeling different, feeling that they can be around other people, but aren't treated in the same way that they had been in the past. I had one woman say that she felt like from the moment she was diagnosed, people didn't treat her the same way. She said, people would look and talk to my husband, but they don't look and talk to me in the same way. And I think that's, that's a, the feeling of loneliness, of just being left behind. And we also created a documentary from our support group, called Too Soon to Forget. And there's a clip in the documentary where a woman is describing what Alzheimer's feels like to her. And she said that for her, she always feels like she's left in the back seat, that she's no, she just kind of described it as a car image, but that she's no longer in the front seat and being the parent she had been. She's now just kind of expected to stay in the back seat. And that for me, it's those kind of descriptions that sum up the loneliness that, that people with dementia and the caregivers are experiencing too.
1: Susan, I think you bring up an interesting distinction about how loneliness can be experienced by both the person living with the disease
2: and their care partner, but maybe it's experienced a little differently. I think you're right. I, th- I What I've seen for family members, we have a, another painting that was based on conversation from the the family group and it was entitled social circles because the families were saying as the d- disease progressed their social circles got smaller and smaller until it was just them and the person with dementia and i think for a lot of times for families they're feeling the burden and stress of being the caregiver and making this whole situation work and they're often expressed feeling Sort of abandoned by friends and sometimes extended family by neighbors. I had one caregiver say he's caring for his wife who has young onset, and he said that he almost wished his wife had had. Well, I don't know if you wish, but he said if my wife had breast cancer, people would be checking in on us. They would be dropping off food. They'd be asking how it was going. They'd be rallying around us. But he said with his wife having young onset Alzheimer's, people don't check in the same way. And he felt that immense kind of loss from not having that, that circle, that team. And I don't know if it's because with cancer, we have a better ability to talk about it. And we're not sure how to talk about dementia. I don't know if it's with cancer, it's something you can rally against and fight and you don't have that same feeling with dementia, I I don't know. I I feel like that's where we need that ability. As and what your podcast is doing is to re- help people know that they can stay connected and they can stay involved, and they're they can help make a difference in the life of both the person with dementia and their family members.
0: I think that's so important for people to know that they can be involved. And you mentioned um, the Dementia Friends movement and as a neighbor, how people can step in and help to share the burden and support the person living with dementia. And you also mentioned um, helping folks to find purpose. Can you talk to me about the diagnosis of dementia? Does that itself cause the loneliness or what are some of the other factors that might
2: cause the, the loneliness? From what I've seen and in, in the group and, and working with people in the clinic, too, is that, and, and working with people in, in residential care, I think there's a, a loneliness that comes from the disease process, that they're not able to keep up with conversation and they're they're not able to to join in at the same level they maybe had been before and they're not able to produce what they used to be able to produce and feel as productive. There is a loneliness that I think comes from the disease. but then I think there's a loneliness that comes from how people around them treat them or, or don't, you know, or don't stay as engaged and as involved and maybe don't hold them as an, in as high esteem as they maybe did before. I've had so many, you know, people with dementia say people don't come to me like they used to. I, you know, I used to be the one who would make recipes at for something and I'm just not able to. I had one gentleman in my young onset group who went out to Moa's yard and And I, you know, I can see how this happened, but he mowed his yard and he mowed all the neighbor's yards too. And then he mowed all of his neighbor's annual flowers. So a problem. Yeah. And luckily he was beloved in the neighborhood because I think that could have caused a huge problem. And, but then what he said to me, which I thought was just like a dagger was he said, now I have to sit in my house and I watch the neighbor boy mow my yard. And I can see why that was a good solution. But from his standpoint, it was this, I made a mistake and I'm not treated the same way that I used to. Actually, the gentleman, Ted, who helped create that that image of the pit, he one time turned to me in support group and said, you know, if I leave the stove on, if you leave the stove on, people just laugh about it and it's not a big deal. If I leave the stove on, I'm told I can never touch it again. And I thought, he's right, we're allowed to make mistakes. And it's not a huge blow to our self esteem. But from their standpoint, it means one more thing that's taken away, and that they're not able to do. And I think it's a tough balance for caregivers and for the person. It's a juggle, juggling act constantly of maintaining as much autonomy as possible, while keeping the person as, as safe as possible. And I don't think there's a perfect route through that, that I think it's It's murky and hard. An individual. Not Mm -hmm. every
1: solution is going to work for every family, but really what, what taking these small tasks away, taking away mowing the lawn, not having the person prepare the salad really is boiling down to, it's not just the task, it's taking away that feeling of purpose and meaning that can
2: lead to loneliness as well. Right. And I've had so many people with dementia say that they've had to redefine, what purpose means and who they are within this. And I think as a family member or as a neighbor or someone around a community member, trying to find ways to still honor who that person is and, and what they can still contribute. And Dementia Friends, what I love about that initiative is that it really encourages people to think about that a someone is more than their memory and they still have ability to interact and engage but it really falls on us to figure out how do we how do we help and i think what i like about dementia friends is it helps people to realize the importance of staying connected because i think sometimes people drift away because they're maybe uncomfortable or they're nervous and they don't they're not sure how the person's going to respond and and so i i really like the dementia friends framework and being able to say it's okay that's an okay feeling just stay as engaged as, as you possibly can and maybe check in with the person or check in with the caregiver and let them know you're there.
0: Are there ways that you can empower not only the community, but people living with dementia and care partners to reach out and connect with others when that feelingness, a feeling of loneliness sets in?
2: What I've seen over the years is you know, the feeling is going to be there, I think, from the disease. But the more as professionals, you know, I like I work at an Alzheimer's center. So the more we can create. Here we've done, and I know you all have to create spaces where people can come together and feel connected with others who are going through the experience. You know, I think we all like to seek out others who are sharing an experience we're sharing so that we can be feel ourselves and and the one painting that you talked briefly about at the beginning, about the person saying, I love coming here because we're all in the same boat together. I think there's something healing about being around others who understand. You know, Constantly, I have people say, I don't have to explain myself here. People get it and they understand. And they also see the humor and things that I see the humor in, which maybe the general public wouldn't as much just because of comfort level. And so I think all of us who are working in this field have to create those space, help create those spaces so that people can get together. You know, definitely now with the internet and with social media platforms, there's ways to seek out people that hadn't been there at the very beginning. But I think for all of us who work in healthcare, encouraging those spaces as much as possible and encouraging what we sure have done in our Without Warning support group is always made sure there was a space for the people with dementia too. Because I, I think sometimes when we're creating support groups or creating spaces, we focus so much on the caregivers, which is great. The caregivers need support. But I think the people with dementia also needs their space where they can interact with each other and be able to, to know that they're not alone in this.
1: You mentioned being part of a healthcare organization and even more specifically, you're part of a research institution and you had mentioned to us a longitudinal study um, where you're finding kind of connections to loneliness. Can you talk a little bit about the long-term effects of
2: loneliness? We do. We have been looking at loneliness. We have some of the largest studies in the world that look at longitudinal studies that follow thousands of people. And we test them every year and gather all this information and not just testing their memory, but a lot about lifestyle and and how active they are, what they eat, um how social they are their their sense of well-being we're monitoring all of that and then when they pass away they donate their brain and spinal cord and a little bit of muscle and nerve tissue and so what we've been seeing these studies have been going the longest 28 years a large one 25 years and a couple of others we and what we've been seeing is that there's some people who never show signs of memory problems while they're living. But then when we look into the brain, we're seeing the pathology of Alzheimer's there. And so that raises the question of what are they doing that's holding that they might have the pathology, but they don't show the symptoms while they're living. And we see se- several different things. But one that we're seeing that relates very much to this topic or a couple things is a sense of loneliness. And loneliness can be how you feel. That is a self-perceived feeling. So you can be around a lot of people, but feel lonely. And we're seeing that those who feel lonely are at greater risk for developing memory problems as they get older than those who don't feel lonely, feel connected to other people. And we're also seeing that a sense of purpose is very connected to brain health. And so those who are able to maintain a sense of purpose as they age, which sure is hard because jobs stop, maybe friendships change, you know, maybe where you live changes and, and being able to, to maintain that sense of purpose is 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 a difficult task for some. And I think to realize that it's linked to brain health too is a good motivator to find things that bring you a sense of accomplishment and a sense of purpose as you're aging. We're seeing that several other things, but loneliness and purpose has a great impact on brain health as we get older. And I
0: also know that it's a great motivator for exercise. It really
2: is. We It is, uh, you know, having that sense and 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 mood. We're seeing that people who feel, kind of down which we sure have all been through a period right now with covid where mental health is, has been talked about and probably a lot of people have felt periods of being down and being overwhelmed but we're seeing that people who sort of end up in that place a lot where they're feeling down they're at greater risk for for brain or you know memory problems as they get older and and I think when you're feeling down, you're not eating as well, you're not exercising as well, you're probably not sleeping as well, and that it's all connected. And so all those things we've been learning about of healthy lifestyle also has impact on our memory as we get older.
0: You talked some about your incredible without warning group and you talked about the importance of including people who are living with dementia and making sure that they're not feeling excluded. In, in this
2: particular group, what else have you learned? I, I've learned that people with dementia can really tell their stories, which, I, you know, I'm not sure I would have said, this group's been going 18 years ago, 18 years now. I, when we first started the group, I was thinking, what are we going to talk about every month when we meet you know for an hour group with people with dementia, and I actually went in carrying a binder every month that had quotes in it from books that had come out around that time period. And I would if the conversation started to lag, I would pull out a quote and say, okay, here's here's the way someone feels about dementia. What do you think? And then I realized I really didn't need that binder as it went on that that was just really there for my comfort level. And as the group got going, we knew each other's stories and we we, we knew what to you know how to pull that out and i've done a lot of public speaking with people with dementia and they are you know not everyone's able to but there's quite a few who are just so articulate in describing the the how this feels to them and we actually i think mentioned a bit ago we created this documentary called too soon to forget that really looked at the importance of community and we followed about I think it was about seven families from our support group. And we went and filmed in their homes. And then we filmed with each of their communities of support. And the message of the film was really that this isn't an easy road. That Living with dementia at any age is hard, but that the more you can develop community around you, people who understand and community can be different for each family. It was different for some. It was their extended family. For some, it was, Faith community, um, some it was their neighborhood or or support groups or you know residential settings. So it was different for every single person, but community is what made the difference for each family. And I think it gets back to loneliness. The more we can encourage these people to be together and to be in community, the easier the road is going to be. I had one family member who she did some filming for our, actually our website withoutwarning.net where we had filmed about the experience. And she said that sharing her journey with dementia and caring for her husband didn't change what she had to do at home, but she just felt like the burden was a bit lighter when she was able to share it and share it with others. And she felt, she she felt better in sharing the story. So I think the more we can set up spaces where people share their story, either even if it's just to each other or on a broader, you know, page, there's benefit in that.
1: Susan, you tell a, a really compelling story, and I'm sure some of our listeners are hearing this and thinking, gosh, my neighbor's going through this, my family member's going through this, someone in my church is going through this. How would you advise families, neighbors, friends to reach out and connect to the person living with the disease and, and their care partner?
2: I think it takes getting past our own feelings of being uncomfortable and taking that step. And what I've heard from some family members is, and I sure have done this, I sure have gone up to families and people and said, you know, let me know if there's anything I can do. We've probably said that all, all of us to somebody. And I've had caregivers say, that's a hard statement that I don't know exactly exactly what to ask. You know, some caregivers probably are good at it and saying, well, here's what I need. (laughs) Some people aren't. And so I think maybe coming in with some specific things, could I come over every once in a while and visit and sit with the person and you go out for a walk? Or could I take them out for a walk? Or can I do grocery shopping with you? Or can I go for you and drop things off? I think maybe giving some specific things is, is helpful. Um, and I, I think if you are interacting with the person with dementia, kind of letting them set, be the guide and and going off what I always tell families and friends is watch them and see what brings them comfort and joy and peace and take their lead and and figure out what it is that they enjoy doing. And because sometimes I think we come in with our own agenda and some, I think we need what I think hanging out with people with dementia has taught me is I've got to let go of that agenda and follow what what works best for them and what seems to bring them the most comfort.
0: I love this idea of just building and continuing the relationship. And I know that people sometimes have fears and some
2: negative attitudes and stigma around dementia. How can we change this? I think the more we can have conversations, the more we get out and talk to people about what is dementia, it's definitely a feared illness, you know, what all the dementias. Mm -hmm. And I think people don't know how to respond and we all, and, And I think there's a stigma for the person too, you know, being afraid to share. My mom lived with dementia, and I know she was very afraid to to talk about it with other people because she felt like people would look at her differently. And so I think, you know, we've come through that with other illnesses. And I think the more we can just keep having conversations and highlight people who are living with this experience, I think that's going to help to reduce the stigma.
1: This has been quite a, a thought provoking conversation today.
2: Before we close, could you give us your final thought? I'm really glad that that you you're highlighting this in in the in your podcast because I think the more we can talk about the loneliness, the more just the general public can realize they can make an impact and they can be there and be supportive because I I think a lot of times people pull away because of not being sure what to do, and so I think the more we can have that conversation out for everyone, I think we're going to be helping those who are living with this.
1: Today, our conversation has been with Susan Frick, a social worker with Rush Alzheimer's Disease Center. We so appreciate you helping us untangle the experience of loneliness and dementia. Yes, thank you, Susan,
0: so very much. Thank you. And thank you, Heather, for another great conversation. And thank you, Amber, for all you do to produce and edit our podcast and thank you to you, our incredible listeners. Thank you for joining us. And if you haven't already, please subscribe and share this podcast. I'm looking forward to our next conversation on dementia untangled. Thank you for joining us for this episode of dementia untangled. Be sure to subscribe on apple podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you
1: listen to podcasts. Dementia Untangled is hosted by Heather Mulder and Janice Greeno, produced and edited by Amber Ayers, and is brought to you by Banner Alzheimer's Institute and Banner Sun Health Research Institute. We are supported by generous donations to the Banner Alzheimer's Foundation. Please
0: visit our website at banneralz.org and follow us on Facebook to learn about upcoming events. If you have questions or comments, please email us at dementiauntangled at bannerhealth.com.